Look at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, he's referring to the last chapter, all the witnesses of faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Most everyone has a besetting sin. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And God never asks you to do anything. He doesn't tell you how to do it. He's saying, I want you to run this race. I want you to live this life. I want you to make the one life you have to count. And he said, I want you to run with patience the race that is set before us. You have a race. I have a race. Each of us have a responsibility. And then he tells us how we're going to do it. Look at verse 2. Here's how you're going to do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down where? At the right hand of the throne of God. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it when you learn how to worship. You're going to do it when you embrace what it means to enter in to the secret place of the Most High. When you begin to understand who you are in Jesus and the capacity you have to worship God. Can I tell you, most Christians never tap in to what real worship really means. I've been saved for 50 years this year. 1973 I came to Christ. And I'm just beginning to learn some of what God is saying to me about going deeper in worship. Look at what He said. Consider Him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself... And here's, here's the danger, because you're going to be entertaining a lot of contradiction. And there are going to be sinners that are gonna be, uh, you're going to struggle with. Look at what he said. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Terry and I have been in a different church almost every week this year. And here's what I observe looking across Christian people. There are a lot of people that are weary. There are a lot of people that are fainting. There are a lot of people that are, that are negotiating on, in neutral. They're just uh, navigating through this life and they're struggling like everything. They're weary and they're fainting in their minds. And I think the reason is found right here in this text and I'd never seen it before I heard that man make that statement. I began to do a deep dive and I saw three mountains in this text. I want you to remember these three mountains if you don't remember anything else. And I want you to end up in one of them as it relates to worship. Worship, we worship God in all of His glory. The word worship carries the idea of weight or worth. His holiness, His presence, His dignity, His majesty. And the question I would ask of you is, your worship light or is it weighty? Is it heavy, is it weighty, or is it light? There are three things that I would tell you, first of all, in understanding what worship is. And if you're saved, this ought to be something that you're really consumed with. Worship, the Bible says in Revelation 4, involves three things. The four and twenty elders did three things. Number one, they humbled themselves. They fell down before Him. The second thing they did, they cast their crowns at His feet. My loved ones that are here celebrating these three boys' baptisms, we could stick our chest out and, and, and strut around like a bandit rooster, Or we can say, God, you're the reason we have these boys. You're the reason you showed them the cross. You're the reason they're saved and got baptized. And here's what that's doing. It's taking those crowns and casting them right back at Jesus' feet. Anything good that's ever happened in your life, just for the record, you don't deserve it. You didn't do it. It all should be cast back at His feet. Do you believe that or not? He said worship involves, number one, 
humbling yourself. Number two, casting your crowns at his feet. And the third thing they did was they ascribed worth to God. Darren, sometimes we sing that song, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord. It's exactly what we're going to sing when we get over there. So worship is Revelation 4, 10 and 11, those three things. Let me tell you what else worship is. I heard somebody say a long time ago, and it's really fun getting old because you don't have to cite who you heard say it. You can just say, I remember somebody said this. And here's what somebody said. Somebody said worship is to feel in the heart, got to be in the heart, and express in an appropriate manner a humble yet delightful sense of admiring all. I'm going to give you that one more time. Worship is to feel in the heart and express in an appropriate manner a humble and yet delightful sense of admiring awe. Someone has said, and I believe it's true, we've lost our awe, A-W-E, and wonder of God. We've lost the, uh, the uh, in fact, do you remember when John Avent came here and the first message he preached in our revival back in 2019 when God moved in such a big way? He said, we've lost our awe and our amazement and our astonishment. That was the word he used. We're no longer astonished with who God is and how big He is. But worship is also when the spirit of a man or a woman, the immortal, invisible part of you and me, speaks to and meets with God, who is eternal and immortal and invisible. It's a little bit mysterious, and it's kind of awesome. You know, the truth is we've lost the awe of worship. How many remember Junior Hill coming to this church? Raise your hand if you do. He was an old evangelist that came this way many years ago. And boy, what a blessing he was to us. I've seen as many as 30 and 40 people walk down the aisle and profess their faith in Jesus in one service, Pastor. It was amazing. You knew him. A great man of God. Here's what he said worship is. He said worship is Colossians 3.16. It's singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So let me share with you these three mountains, a little bit of the overflow of what God's saying to me right now. And I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 18, the first mountain is Mount Sinai. If you're a serious student of the Word of God, you might want to mark in your Bible, Exodus 19, so you can look back to it later and dig in a little bit. This is the scene in Exodus 19. Look at verse 18, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For ye are not come. If you write in your Bible, you may want to underline that. By the way, you can't underline nothing in a phone. You, can't, you, can, you might can. I ain't figured it out. Some of you might be able to do it. But if you get a real Bible, you can underline things. Look at this. Pastor Cameron, you can be, you can be as easy on them. And I don't get a chance very often, so I'm hammering down when I have a chance. You, here's what he said. You are not come. This is not for you. This is not where we are. This is not the way we worship. Look at it. You are not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet. Does that sound familiar? If you've read Revelation or Exodus 19 lately, you remember the scene. The children of Israel have rebelled against God. Moses has come up into the mount. What mountain? Mount Sinai. And Moses is up there with God and he's worshiping. When he comes down, he has to put a veil on his face. Because he's been with, with, with God in such glory that his face is blinding people when he comes down. But notice what happens next. Look at your Bibles, verse 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight. Listen to what Moses said. I exceedingly fear and quake. 
Moses was in the presence of God and the people, listen, they couldn't come up to where God was. They were worshiping afar off because the second mountain I'm going to talk about in a minute had not happened yet. And because they were ungodly and because God was so holy, they could not approach to God. Boy, I'm glad I didn't live back in those days. I know God loved His people and He still loves His people, Israel, and I hope you're praying daily for the peace uh, of Israel. However... I want to show you the difference. I was looking at this, this mountain, Mount Sinai, he mentions that he says, this, you're not come there. This is not the kind of worship. They had set bounds. In other words, you, can, you can't come very far. The high priest could come in the presence of God, and Moses could come in to the presence of God, but nobody else could. In fact, God said, if they come any closer and a beast or a man touch the mountain, they're going to die on the spot. So it's a serious matter. It's, it's very, they're setting bounds around the mountain. Number two, he said, sanctify the people. This is a wicked people. They need, to, they need to prepare themselves. And then it was only for a select few. Not everybody could worship. Especially not in the way I'm going to share with you. That's for us right now. This is law. This is Mount Sinai. But something happened that changed completely from this form of worship to something different. It's the second mountain in the text. You ready for it? It's, it's the one you have to look a little for. It's the one the Holy Spirit had to show me. Look at verse 1 again. There's a second mountain here that changed everything. Look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, here it is, endured the cross. That second mountain is Mount Calvary. In the text, we see what changes things from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion in a minute. I want to tell you something happened at the cross that changed everything. If we had time, we would read over a little bit further to Matthew 27, where the Bible says that the veil the, the curtain that divided the people from God was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was done in the moment when Jesus gave up the ghost. And what happened at that point is God began to welcome us into His presence and He changed worship forever with that second mountain. Well, what happened at Mount Calvary? Well, you know what happened. Because of my sin and because of your sin, because of your parents' sin and their sin before that, because of the depravity of man, God Almighty needed a sacrifice. And He looked all over heaven and the only one that could pay sin's debt for you and for me happened to be His own Son. God sent His Son, born of a woman, made under the law to pay the sin debt for you and for me. And Jesus willingly came and they beat Him and they abused Him and they hung Him on a cross and He died there shedding His blood and crying out for mercy for you. Oh, how thankful I am for Mount Calvary. Not only because I'm saved today because of Mount Calvary. These baptisms today, they all happen because of that second mountain. If there had not been a Mount Calvary, every one of us would be lost and on our way to hell. And many people today, and your loved ones and friends, some who sat at the table with you this week, are on their way there. And a church must follow its leadership in getting under the burden to make sacrifices so we can take the gospel to everywhere. But Mount Calvary changed everything. What happens next, Pastor? Well, 
after that veil was rent in twain, you know what the Lord said in Hebrews 4? He said, let us come boldly into the throne. Now look here, I'd heard that all my life. But I couldn't figure out how I could be here and there at the same time. I know, he said we're sitting together with him. We're going to look at that in a minute in heavenly places. He said that in the Bible. But all I know is I'm standing here with you in Dunn, North Carolina on the 26th day of November at 1053. And so it's a little confusing to think about this. But what he said was come boldly. You can come now. There's a verse that actually says this. I, I didn't find the reference, but I wrote it down just recently. In whom we have, re, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Access into where? Access into that throne room. Now buckle your seatbelts because I want to show you. Because of Mount Calvary, there's a new, there was a new level of worship that many believers, most believers never discover. And it's become very fresh to me in recent days. In fact, if I ever knew it, I'd forgotten it. And I, when I worshipped, in the mornings when I worshipped, I didn't imagine myself where I'm getting ready to show you this until I saw verse 22. And I want you to look at it very carefully with no preconceived ideas and look at what God said in His Word. Remember what He said in verse 18? You're not come to Mount Sinai. Look at verse 22. But ye are come, if you underline your Bible, you might want to underline that, unto Mount Sion or Mount Zion. Well, where, what is that? Where is that? Well, that's where God lives. And unto the city of the living God, if you have any question about that, the heavenly Jerusalem. If you were to look at Psalm 132, verse 13, 14, you might want to write that down. It'll tell you about that Mount Zion place. He said, past tense, listen to this, you are come unto Mount Zion. I believe at the moment of our salvation, we are in Christ. And in Christ, we are where He is at the same time that we're here where we are. I don't understand that. I don't have to understand it. I just have to believe it. The Bible says that we are right now seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. When we worship, we're not worshiping from a room with all of us. And by the way, I look around sometimes when we're supposed to be worshiping, and maybe you are, but it seems like some folks are just waiting for the song to be over with and the preaching be over with so they can get to the cafeteria before the Methodists get all the white meat. We don't come to church to get out. We don't come to church for everybody to see us or to check a box. We get ready, here's a good place for an amen. We come to church to worship God. And if that's not our motivation, we need to get right with Him or we need to get saved. Looking at this text though, I saw it. Look at what he said in verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. Lord, am I there? Am I really there? This is the way we're to be worshiping from today. This is the posture. This is the understanding of where we really are. Pastor Tom, explain that to us. Look back just a little bit at the book of Ephesians. Look back to the book of Ephesians. Just keep your finger here and look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 4. Ephesians 2. Notice this. This is God speaking, not me. The Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul as he writes to that church. He wants them to know just like we want you to know that we're in Christ. Look at what he said in verse 4. Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy, remember that, for His great love wherein He loved us, remember that, even when we were dead in sins, 
This is what happened when he got saved. Hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. Look at the unity there. By grace you're saved. Now look at this. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you see that? Where are we sitting with Him? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved. Look, look down at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Nope, chapter 1, not, not chapter 2. Look at chapter 1 and verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him, this is where Jesus is right now, at his own right hand, where? In heavenly places. Now look at verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, look at this, past tense, with all spiritual blessings, where? In heavenly places, in Christ. I'm here to tell you that when you got Jesus, you got everything. You got the capacity to be here and be there at the same time. I live in two worlds at the same time. I live in a spiritual world where I'm sitting with Him right now in heavenly places. And you're there too if you're saved. We're all right up there with Him. And I live in a physical world too that puts me right here, right now. But I spend too much time, listen to this, I hope not everybody else does this. I spend too much time connected to this world, thinking about this world, worshiping things in this world, and my mind and heart ought to be where I am on the other side, worshiping God from a posture of seating with Christ right beside the throne of God. This has changed my worship. In the mornings when I worship God, I don't imagine myself sitting at 106 Basin Street No, I'm sitting with Christ. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I look over at the throne, and that's not all I see. Look at your Bibles again. The Bible says not only are we there in Mount Zion, the city of the the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, but look at who else is there. An innumerable company of angels. The angels are there. When I'm worshiping God, not only am I here, I'm there also. This is abstract, isn't it? This is called a spiritual truth. You've got to be spiritually discerned, which means you've got to have the Holy Ghost living in you to understand this. You won't get it, and if it's going over your head and you don't get it, you need to make sure you're saved. Because the Holy Ghost will let you know that you can live in two worlds at the same time. And we need to be more connected to that. Have you ever met anybody that was kind of so heavenly minded there wasn't any much earthly good? If you ever find anybody like that, connect yourself to them. You say, have you ever known anybody like that? I give God the glory for this. Sure not our family. But I knew a man. He died in 2010. He used to sit right around here. He was skinny as a rail. I never heard him say a bad word. I tried to get him to say one. I wanted him to just so it vindicate me. Everybody that knew him knew he was just a man. But somehow or another, he got more connected to that other world than he did this one. You try to make a joke about something, he didn't get it. You start talking about Jesus, he's all in. He's leaning in. When he prayed, you felt like you were in the presence of God. All I'm telling you is, that's what I want. If I'm there with him, if I'm in seated in Christ, in the throne room of God, I want to be that kind of a daddy. I want to be that kind of a granddaddy and that kind of a husband and that kind of a friend and that kind of a preacher. And if you want your life to count for God and you want an influence that will go on long after you're gone, here's the challenge. You are, you are, the Bible says, right now in Mount Zion. And the angels are there 
Can you hear their wings fluttering? Look at this. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Well, I know who the church of the firstborn is. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. Our names, he said right there in that text, are written. You see what he said? Church of the firstborn which are written in heaven. Not only are we there in Christ, my name's written down there too. And so is yours. But I kind of want to believe, and I heard a couple people say it may be true, and I don't know for sure, but I, I honestly believe that general assembly might be them Old Testament saints. I don't know that, but I'm thinking it might be. So when I worship, look, look who I'm worshiping with. It's a pretty good crowd right there. I got the innumerable angels are right there with us when we worship. And there's the general assembly, the Old Testament saints, and the church of the firstborn, all the saints of God that are saved, whose names are written in heaven. And look at the most important one right now. The Bible says that right in the middle of verse 23, and to God, the judge of all. Do you know when you worship, whether you're standing here in this room with us, or whether you're at home by yourself, or you're riding down the road in a car, when you worship, you're in the presence of God Almighty. When you approach God, you don't approach God like you approach me or like you approach somebody else. There ought to be a holiness and a reverence and a fear of God when we worship Him. God is holy. Do you believe that? The Bible says not only to God, look at this, the judge of all. That makes a chill. I know one day I'll stand before Him. Look at here. Look at this. Some of you that have sent loved ones to heaven this year and had an empty place at your table, look at your Bible. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Who do you think that might be? I'll tell you who it is. That's your, that's your loved ones that have died in Christ. You not Hey, you're worshiping with Him. You say you really believe that? If you believe the Bible, you believe that. Joe Myers, my pastor, slipped off into heaven. This week we had a funeral. And by the way, I'll tell you some way to make your heart blessed. And how important it is to be a, to be a brother or a sister. I drove that three hours up there to that funeral to be with Rick and Joanna and to be there to, to deal with my own grief and sending my pastor to heaven, Pastor Cameron. When I looked up, sitting back a little further, were two men from this church. Two of my friends. They were brothers. Happened to be royals. Not royals like kings, but royals like Ray and, and Wayne. And they sat back there and wiped tears away as we buried that man of God. Here's all I'm telling you is this. Listen to me. I'm telling you, your loved ones, you're talking about being near them. When you worship God, you're the nearest to them you're ever going to be till you get there on the other side in person. Just men made perfect. Look at this. No, it don't stop there. I'm almost done. And to Jesus. Look at this. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Jesus is there too. God's there. Jesus is there. We're in that company with all them angels and the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Listen to me. Your worship is more than a few words or a shed tear here and there. You're in the presence of God Almighty. That's why I love that song. Let the veil down. Let the, I didn't even ask him to sing that. Let the praise go up. Let the veil down. Listen to me. We're in the presence of the Lord when we're worshiping. That's pretty sweet, ain't it? Be in the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you what's true. From a human perspective, I'm wrapping this up. The idea of sitting in heaven is hard to grasp. Especially on this side of eternity. But it's true if this Bible is true. And you and I who are truly saved are united in Jesus. Let me give you one more verse. I can't miss this one. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God. What's above Jesus? Keep your eyes on Him. Seek Him. 
set your affection. Fall in love with Him. Tell Him every day. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead. Dead to that. Dead to here. And your life is hid with Christ in God. <laughs> and when Christ who is our life shall appear one day, then you're going to appear with Him, the Bible says, in glory. Boy, that's going to be something, isn't it? I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. Remember what Jesus told that, that woman, John 4? She started getting real spiritual with him after she had all them husbands. And, and Jesus said, you know, you know, we worship in this mountain, she said. You know, sometimes we worship. He said, no, there'll be a day you won't worship in that mountain. There's another mountain I'm talking to you about this morning. He said, you don't worship there physically. We worship in spirit and in truth. That spirit part's the part interesting to me. We worship him in spirit. I pray that God will help us deal with our old flesh and stop letting that flesh rule and reign and let the spirit man, the inner man, be our biggest connection. Bible worship on the mountain. Mount Sinai, no thank you. Thank you for Mount Calvary. I'm heading to Mount Zion. Let's bow our heads together and pray. I don't know. I don't know your heart. I just know this. I know that if you're saved, there's a longing down there deep. Maybe some sin covering it. There's a longing to worship God, to know Him, to be intimate with Him, to walk with Him, to fellowship with Him. Some of you remember what that was like. It was so sweet. It was the sweetest communion you've ever had. But it's gone now. Yeah, you still pray and you go through your routine reading a few verses and your daily bread. But that intimacy, that sweet fellowship, that communion is not there. Why don't you come and say, Lord, I'm going to Mount Zion this morning. And by the grace of God, each day when I come to worship you, I'm going to recognize where I am and who I am. I'm in you. And I'm worshiping on that mountain. If you're here in this room and you're lost and you know you're you know good and well you're not saved. You've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never come to Mount Calvary. Here's the good news. The way is open to you. Not like Mount Sinai where you can't come up this mountain. No way. No, this Mount Calvary is open to every sinner that will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that will recognize you're a sinner and you're lost without God and come to Him in faith and repent of your sin and ask Him to forgive you. His answer is always the same. I've been waiting on you, young. I've been waiting on you from Mount Calvary. So come to Jesus this morning. Or come back to a place of worship and drop all the junk that's gotten in the way, clogged up the pipe, to keep you from being in Mount Zion. You are now come unto Mount Zion. Father, this is your invitation. This is your church, Lord. Thank you for the privilege to open your word this morning and share what you're digging down in my heart with. Lord, I pray you take us all to a new place of worship. Take the choir, Lord. I looked across and saw so many people mouthing the words of the song. Put all them in the choir, Lord. Put them in there singing and worshiping you. Lord, give us some choir members 
that'll look beyond this room and this world and see your glory while they sing with the tears running down their face. Leave this place to get in your glory. Bring more, Lord, young and old alike. Lord, make this congregation a, a place where genuine Holy Ghost worship happens. Thy will, your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with